pandemic burnout. I've given a version of this talk twice to different groups of healthcare providers over recent weeks and got an overwhelming response. I haven't spent a lot of time on this show talking specifically about the pandemic, but if we're going to have a podcast where we talk about the mental habits that get in the way of us reaching our goals and our dreams, I think it's time we take a hard look at all the extra mental load we've all been carrying over the past two years. In this episode, I'll explain why our brains are amazing at coping with short-term stress, but not so awesome at managing chronic stress. The past two years of a global pandemic has forced our brains into a place of frequent change, uncertainty, and long-term stress. I'll explain why we're struggling to cope through this time of uncertainty, how that struggle is impacting our health, and some practical strategies to reduce the toll the pandemic is taking on your mind and your body. Okay, let's dive in. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, clinical psychologist and neuroscience nerd, and you're listening to The Bold Life Podcast, the podcast for ambitious overachievers and recovering perfectionists who feel stretched thin and overwhelmed trying to do it all. As a recovering perfectionist with big career goals, I know how frustrating it can feel to never have enough time in your day or to endlessly procrastinate because you lack the confidence to take action. I've spent years understanding how our brains work and the mental habits that get in our way. Each week, I'll share actionable strategies and guest interviews to help you get relief from your to-do list, build your confidence, and reach your goals. If you want to learn how to thrive both at home and at work, you're in the right place. This summer, I locked myself in a stairwell twice in my office in the same week. The second time, I actually had to call my clinical assistant to come rescue me because it was pouring rain and I would have had to walk all the way around the building in the rain to get back in the front door. How could this happen, you might be wondering? Well, I was super distracted, trying to do a bunch of mental multitasking, thinking about a project I was working on, what I was going to make for supper, whether I should pick up my daughter before or after I go to the grocery store, the usual mental gymnastics we tend to have running through our busy minds. But I was also thinking about how my business was changing in the pandemic, how we were again adapting to a new set of restrictions and openings in some areas, but not in others. If my daughter's daycare would be closed again in the fall when cases surge, and if we could travel again this winter. And with all that running through my mind, I left my keys in my office twice. In our busy world, even pre-pandemic, it was pretty common to be feeling stretched thin and to occasionally forget your keys or lose your phone. We were balancing work and family and all the day-to-day things on your to-do list. A lot of us were feeling tired, overwhelmed, and making those types of mistakes which are super normal, by the way. There's nothing wrong with my brain. A two-year pandemic threw a huge wrench in the mix for our brains and for our bodies that unfortunately has impacted most of us in terms of our mental and cognitive health. Our brains are designed to deal with short-term stress, and we're actually really good at dealing with crises. Our brains evolved to handle emergencies, short-term emergencies at least. 
let me give you a quick overview of how your brain reacts to an emergency with what's often referred to as the fight or flight response. When something stressful or scary happens, your brain reacts with a specific pattern, the fight or flight response. An area called your amygdala reacts first. That's the part of your brain that processes emotions like fear. If your amygdala says, whoa, 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 this is potentially dangerous, like you spot a car coming out of the corner of your eye as you cross the street, it sends a message to your hypothalamus, which is like the relay center for your brain. Your hypothalamus then activates your sympathetic nervous system, which responds by giving your body a burst of energy that it needs to react to the danger. Your adrenal glands release epinephrine, which is adrenaline, which makes your heart beat faster. You breathe more rapidly to get oxygen to your brain and your muscles. Your eyesight and your hearing sharpen and your muscles tense. Most of us have felt this before, whether it was seeing a car coming suddenly or you miss a step on the stairs and for a second think you're going to plummet to the bottom. And this is normal and helpful. After this initial surge of adrenaline, if the danger is still there, your hypothalamus triggers what's called the HPA axis, which stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gland system, which causes a release of cortisol into your body to keep it revved up dealing with the threat. Then when the threat is gone, the car passes and you're fine, or you catch yourself on that handrail before you fall, your hypothalamus triggers your parasympathetic system to start calming your body. For 300,000 years of human evolution, the system worked great. Our ancestors lived for thousands of years in a world where emergencies and stresses were short-lived. You either found food or you died. You fought that angry bear and won or you didn't. Our brains didn't have to deal with long-term stress. Our goals were survival and our brains worked great. And we saw how well those emergency systems in our brains worked early in the pandemic. Yes, there were some folks who hoarded toilet paper, but most of us handled those first few weeks in the spring of 2020 pretty well. We made jokes about toilet paper shortages and having to use anything we could find as tissue. We took on new hobbies with the extra free time we had when everyone was sent home for a month. Cooking's not really my thing, so I didn't join the sourdough bread trend, but I did do a lot of cleaning, and I started this podcast. We all banded together. People were on board with short-term restrictions. Sure, we were a bit stressed and not sure about what to expect, but we coped pretty well. Then, the pandemic dragged on through the summer and the winter, then got worse again in the spring, and we finally got some relief in the summer only to have the world come crashing down again in the fall. Things kept changing for our brains. Gone was that initial fun and excitement of finally having some time off to spend with our friends and families or to start new hobbies. And we started to feel that stress increase with the uncertainty and inconsistency of the new normal. Our brains aren't good at dealing with long-term stress. At a biological level, instead of that HPA access sending messages back to the hypothalamus and amygdala that we can relax because the threat is over, the threat or stress persists and we get chronic activation of the HPA access at low levels, which results in buildup of cortisol in our bodies and recurring spikes of adrenaline. That extra cortisol and spikes of adrenaline impact our immune system, 
suppress our digestive systems, and even can impact our reproductive and growth systems. Long-term activation of our body's normal stress response increases risks of anxiety, depression, stomach problems, headaches, muscle tension and pain, heart disease, heart attacks and strokes, sleep problems, weight gain, and even memory and concentration problems. This pandemic has been so hard on our minds and bodies, not just at a biological level. Our brains also love consistency. Our brains are actually super lazy, and that's a good thing. It makes life easier. Your brain likes life to be predictable, so it can use its mental habits and routines more effectively. Consistency uses up way fewer mental resources. For example, have you ever driven to work and you get to your parking spot and you have no idea how you got there? Your brain goes into a mental autopilot and all of a sudden you're pulling into your parking spot and wondering, did I actually stop at all the lights on the way here? This is actually a good thing and it's normal. Your brain learned that route to work because you've driven it so many times. It's become a habit. So it's easy for your brain to drive to work. Doesn't take a lot of energy or cause a lot of stress. But what if there's construction on your way to work or an accident and you have to detour? All of a sudden, you're snapped out of that routine and you're paying way more attention. Turning the radio down so you can concentrate, focusing on the detour signs so you don't miss any. When things are out of our normal routine, it means more work for our brains, which means less mental resources left for things like managing our emotions and remembering where you put your phone. Let's take a look at some of the other changes we've had to deal with over the past two years. Many of us had to shift to working at least part-time from home over the past two years, or at least for a period of time, right? This is a super hard shift for your brain to make. Your brain learns best with context. For example, there's research that studying in the same room helps you perform better on the exam. Remember, our brains love routine and consistency. Pre-pandemic, you had a routine. You got to the office and your brain goes into work mode. For your brain, your office was where you worked and home was where you relaxed. Then, all of a sudden, your brain had to learn a new pattern of associations. Home was now also a place of work, and that's a hard shift for your brain. And there are a million distractions at home. Kids, spouse, TV, the fridge calling your name, endless places to get distracted tidying up. So your brain's having to work harder to stay focused and stay productive working from home which means less mental resources for things like managing stress. Plus, while we were working at home, we had to take on extra tasks. Kids were at home, maybe your distance learning, juggling work with school and trying to keep the kids occupied and a million other things. More things that are pulling your mental resources and increasing that chronic stress response. It's pretty common when we're struggling with chronic stress to have trouble sleeping. The trouble is, Sleep is when your brain and body recharge, including when a lot of your memories are made into long-term storage. If we're struggling with sleep, we're starting every day with a partially empty cup of resources, which just adds to the stress. And we've been spending a lot of time on screens. Presentations that used to happen in person to give your brains and eyes a break are all virtual. 
Technology is amazing, but increased screen time can cause eye strain if we're not used to it, especially if we're working from home, maybe at our kitchen table that's not ergonomically set up. And we know that the light from our screens impacts our sleep. There's also been a loss of connection. Humans are a social species, and that physical contact and connection is important. Our reliance on screens has made that really hard over the past two years. Another huge component of the pandemic stress we're all dealing with has been uncertainty and frequent change. Take us back to the spring of 2020 and the world turns upside down and we're thrown into uncertainty and restrictions. Then in the summer, things improved a little bit, businesses started opening again, only for cases to rise in the fall and even stricter restrictions to come into play. In the new year, 2021, things look optimistic and improve again. We're feeling hopeful. Then there's a surge in the spring and more restrictions. But vaccinations are here, so that's good. And by July, life is almost back to normal. Then new variants surge and more restrictions. While I'm recording this episode, we're smack in the middle of the Omicron surge and cases are higher than ever. Each of these changes is going to spike that stress response for your brain. And the uncertainty and lack of predictability keeps that chronic stress response going in the background. To make things worse for our brains, there's no escaping the stress because of the constant barrage of coverage in traditional media and on social media. Okay, this next part is really important. If you're multitasking, come back to me. If you take nothing else away from this episode, remember this. Both the news and social media companies are businesses, and disaster sells. I know this sounds cynical, but it's true, and it's important. Facebook has been all over the news this year for how it's been accused of pushing negative content because the app creators know that disaster sells. But don't be fooled by traditional media and news outlets. They do the same thing. The news and social media want you to watch their programming. That's how they make money. From ads, they need you watching so they can sell you stuff, right? I love chuckling at all the hooks and teasers that news anchors use to keep you watching. Like, coming up after the break, could this surge of COVID be the worst ever? Even pre-pandemic, I avoided watching the news. Except when I lived in Halifax and the news was full of fun stories like the local pumpkin racing competition. For real, they carved out giant pumpkins every fall and paddled them across a lake like a canoe. It was amazing to watch. The constant media coverage of the pandemic has increased our stress response, especially when it's so easy to access. The news is always on. You can just pick up your phone and read articles all day if you wanted to. Or you try and take a break from the stress and scroll through social media, only to see your friends and relatives arguing about vaccines and restrictions. And all of this activates your brain's stress response. So we really can't get away from the stress. It's always there reminding us of how our lives are not normal right now. Our normal support systems for managing stress were also taken away during the pandemic. Gyms were closed, group activities were canceled, we were isolated from family. Isolation takes a toll on our brains. There was a Swedish study back in 2012 that followed a large group of older adults as they aged and found that having rich social networks, which means friends and family that you spend time with regularly, increased life expectancy by one to two years. There's research to suggest that loneliness can be as harmful on our health as obesity. 
not only are we dealing with more stress, our go-to coping strategies are hard to come by right now. The result? Increased stress, anxiety, we're all feeling tense and irritable, we're not sleeping very well, our routine is out the window, and we're always wondering what's going to happen next. We're worried about our health and the health of our loved ones. And there's also a lot of fake news and misinformation out there that makes that uncertainty and fear worse. We're starting to see the research come out now about the toll the pandemic is taking on our collective mental health. Here in Canada, we're seeing a rise in symptoms of anxiety, depression, and alcohol use. We're reporting more loneliness and isolation, and financial strain and pressure is making things worse. And all of this change is taking a toll on our minds and bodies, which makes it that much harder to focus on that project at work or stay productive towards your goals. Remember, your brain only has so many resources, and all this extra mental load from the pandemic is burning through those resources. So, what can you do? We're not out of the woods yet or back to normal yet, but we can take some actions and steps to reduce that stress response for our brains. What these strategies I'm going to share have in common is they create consistency, routine, and reduce that uncertainty that's causing your chronic stress response with the pandemic. We can't get rid of all the uncertainty and change, but we can make small changes and shifts in our day to reduce that stress and bring back some control for your brain. Strategy number one, get back into a routine. Remember, our brains love routine. It makes life so much easier and brings a feeling of consistency to your brain that feels good. For example, if you're working from home, have a dedicated workspace. Always work in the same place, not sometimes at your desk or your counter or the couch or your bed. Have a regular schedule, get up at the same time, take breaks at the same time. Even if your hours are different at home, get into a routine that you repeat every day. Strategy number two, fill your mental cup so you have more resources to cope with stress by taking care of your mind and your body. Exercise regularly. Even a 20-minute walk at lunch can reduce stress and help you focus and concentrate. Eat healthy foods. Prepare snacks and meals, even if you're working from home, so you're not just going to the cupboard to grab whatever's easy when you take a break. Pay attention to what you're feeding your brain as well. Things like putting social media limits in place, turning off your alerts on your phone, your email alerts, taking breaks from your screen every day, all will improve your stress response. And strategy number three, give yourself a mental break. Acknowledge that our brains weren't designed for this and it's been really hard. We can't control mother nature, but instead of focusing on what's out of our control and all the what ifs and uncertainty, focus on what is in your control like getting enough sleep, doing things that are fun and that we enjoy every day. Side note, that Swedish study I told you about also found that folks who participate in leisure activities like hobbies, and they do that regularly, live on average one or two years longer. Our brains need to do fun things too. Can't be work and stress all the time. This episode is brought to you by my free daily productivity checklist. Ever wished you had more time in your day? This workbook will walk you through the steps that I use to set up my day to maximize productivity so you can get more done without feeling totally overwhelmed or staying up all night to squeeze it all in. Download your copy at drnicolebyers.com 
forward slash checklist. That's drnicolebyers.com forward slash checklist. Okay, let me do a quick recap because I know that was a lot. Our brains were designed to respond to emergencies, short term emergencies, and they do that really well. But long term stress is really hard for our brains to cope with. The biggest cause of long term stress over the past two years uncertainty and change. So much of our lives has changed and we don't know when it will end. And that takes a toll on our brains and bodies. When our bodies are drained, we're more likely to have errors like locking ourselves in the stairs or putting our lunch in the cupboard rather than the fridge, which I also recently did. And we're more likely to experience decline in our health, sleep difficulties, stress, and anxiety. We can't control everything in our lives, but we can make small changes to fuel our bodies and our minds so we're better able to cope with the stress. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, and this is the Bold Life Podcast. Thank you.